Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 49, one before the big 5-0. Uh-oh, over the hill, my friend. Well, okay, wait. Is the, Oh, is the hill 50 or is it 40 or is it 45? I think it's 50, right? 45 is the hump, though. <laughs> right? I, I actually don't know. It's the Wednesday of ages. <laughs> we hit the hump. We're over 45. Basically means we're never going to stop. Keep listening. <laughs> Uh, and man, this was a cool moment in, uh, not podcast history, but our podcast history. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just because our guest, Kevin Allison, uh, is a former member of the state, which is a sketch group on MTV. Comedy nerds will know, <laughs> uh, which had a ama- amazing crew of people like David that Wayne, cast, David Moses. Wayne of like wet hot America is summer. And just like this star studded cast very worth a wikipedia look up and uh, i had listened to kevin on an episode of comedy bang bang which is another favorite uh, podcast of mine and he was so delightful and i just thought he was hilarious and he has a podcast called risk which man i gotta say i almost want to say it's the coolest podcast i know of it is a i've listened to a couple more episodes since yeah, our time nice. together and it is a. Uh, it's a real treat. It's, it is unlike me, many of the things. I, w- I will give it like the coolest podcast I know of, because, but it's also not like I can't, it's not as palatable as some of the lighter weight stuff because it's like kind of heavy, kind of lighthearted, kind of amazing. Oh, you really You kind of never know exactly what to expect. It's, it's essentially like The Moth. And... It's like a storytelling podcast, yes. but it's much more raw, a lot of uh, more intimate topics like sex and drugs. And, and a lot of more exposed conversation. Right, which was, of course, relevant in our discussion with Kevin Allison about the topic of naked. And we're not talking about physically naked, though we did. Yeah, uh, That we, we didn't did. set out to. Uh, we're talking about emotional availability, vulnerability, and yeah. what it means to share your creativity and the the ways it can affect what you do and the people around you. And it was an illuminating conversation and we did get into some sex stuff uh yes it was de- definitely <laughs> the most r-rated episode of Ten Thousand hours we have yet to record so um <laughs> enjoy that part of it as well and, i know yeah I, it, I think it's a fun one because he, he's a fun guest who kind of gets the vibe of the show and he just kind of rolls and oh it was a blast uh, for sure really cool and i want to thank uh a longtime supporter of the show i mean i think this marks a year actually it does in their support which is a really cool thing especially to think back a year ago kind of where we were at with the show and and the tone and the professional level yeah (laughs) professionality (laughs) no but it's cool to have somebody stick with you for so long it's it's really a testament it's a vote of confidence it it means a lot and that of course is small software which uh they are the creators of the products uh, Text Expander and PDF Pen. And uh, Text Expander, we've talked about before, super cool uh, product that I use every day. It just basically shortens these snippets and, and, and makes my life easier and more efficient on my computer, which is surprisingly important. And uh, the product, the other product that they make is, is PDF Pen. And they have PDF Pen 7 uh, for OS X on the Mac. Um, and it's funny because I have so many people, especially when I freelance with companies, it's like contracts are a thing. And, you know, there are like digital signatures, but you don't really do that. And 
so often I have to deal with PDF documents, which is kind of a standard in the professional world. And so often they're so poorly dealt with. I think like the most. They are, uh, yes, they're right. I mean, I bet you can attest to that. You know, working at an agency, which you know, I I interned at an agency. I freelanced a lot of them, but I'd interned at an agency where I saw this happening quite often. Which was, you get a contract or some sort of document, you print it off, <laughs> all all many pages of it, and <laughs> you sign it and you scan every single page back in, back in. which is ludicrous, and then so you insane. send it back, and we have computers that can do stuff. <laughs> so, I, I mean, even for, like, critiques, uh, I mean, especially as a designer, um, I've had some other... I want to say like Red Pen is another good platform, and I don't think they would they would be mad that I'm saying that because really I think their goal is to make tools that are useful for people and that make their lives easier, which is cool and it's great to promote a product like that. So PDF Pen Pro, you know, you can sign documents, you can comment on them, you can fill in these ridiculous PDF forms that you get that you have to print <laughs> right. out and scan back in, um, and it does uh, OCR, which is like uh, it will read uh, written text and turn it into plain text um, also very useful yeah totally so it it's just it's really useful and i mean even for you and me vince like for scripts and things sending back and forth there is something cool about the tactile nature but ultimately it's like we're working on the computer and that's like really it's useful. 2015 my friend yeah let's <laughs> let's not sabotage ourselves by not by not having access to the best tools yeah totally so I mean, if you are interested, and even if you aren't, go to the website. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, go to uh, smilesoftware.com slash 10khrs. Smilesoftware.com slash 10khrs. And they have a free trial. There's really, it's just like, check it out. No reason not to try it, yeah. I, I, yeah, I do, I do find that with a lot of products, it's like the first step is sort of getting initiated. And they have like a bunch of resources for figuring out how to use the tool. And, and it's really useful, so... I mean, we, we wouldn't talk about it unless it was. So check out Smile Software. Check out uh, PDF Pen Pro. And, man, thanks for thanks for supporting them. Uh, and thereby, they have supported us for a year. Thanks for sticking with us for a year. Or if you're new, that's awesome. And Vinny, man, here we are. Uh, episode 49, pretty close to 50, I got to say. Pretty damn close. Yeah, and thank, thank you, Grant. Thank you for, for everything, man. And, hey, thanks, Kevin Allison, for a hell of an episode. You're going to enjoy it. He was uh, on, uh, I got to say, he was on uh, WTF podcast. I mean, like maybe a few days ago from when this goes out. Oh, yeah. I you got to say, You man. all should. <laughs> hey, by association. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, we had a podcast with Mark Marin. Uh, and on that note, enjoy <laughs> episode 49, Naked. Is this like a, is your refrigerator running joke? <laughs> is this no. like a different version of that? No, we've fallen for that before. <laughs> yeah, we have. Mr. Mr. Vinny. Grant, my old This friend. is my favorite part of the show. The start of it? Yeah. Mine's when we get to talk to the guests. But... Well, no, but I feel like there's a weird loaded potential... There's so much happening. The anticipation usually, is nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And usually, like, I kind of kind of like hold you captive for like 30 seconds, give I'm or take. I'm a prisoner. Yes. Uh, no, you know what? Let's not do that. Vinny, can you just tell me what you're working on? What are you putting your time into? I'd love to. Uh, 
Work is relatively busy. We're doing a lot of work for this cool company called Resound, which is a hearing device manufacturer and design company. And it's always cool to work on something. You don't always get the chance in advertising to work on something that actually improves people's lives. Uh, so I really like that. And on a personal note, I kind of rounding the corner on the short story I've been working uh. on. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to be the guy that talks about it, but you know, week probably you'll get to read a draft all right if you don't let me read it you're done yeah i'm and off the, the show, show is over yeah <laughs> i think that's pretty fair you, you owe it to me yeah around 12 ish pages nice. it's not gonna be like so and you much... gave me fantastic notes on the short film that i'm working on oh that's really cool. you're a good like... note giver hey thanks man yeah, thank you you're a good note taker oh. Oh. like, <laughs> like are you writing right? notes or am i like taking yeah whatever all of the above okay. grant could you do me the honor of yeah, um, mostly a lot of production stuff, two music videos in the works that we'll be shooting hopefully within the next like month and a half. Um, so jamming on a lot of that stuff. Um, and me and Woodbridge are planning, we're going out to LA, I think, in a couple weeks. So kind of getting some stuff planned for that. We're going to be doing some shows out there too. So. Awesome. Jake Woodbridge, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Former guest. And you Episode also... 20 something? 10, 35. Uh, and you also just returned from Tokyo. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which is extremely cool. Man. Yeah. I mean, we'll dig into that. We'll do a hostful soon, and I'll tell you more about it. But Absolutely. Yes. And on the topic of really cool. Yeah, seriously. I am, like... I'm giddy. I was telling Vinny uh, before we got online with, with this fella, I was like, man, this is really exciting to me, because uh, I was familiar with the state um, as an entity, not as familiar with this particular person like you know now um but then uh i had heard you he <laughs> on uh, on an episode of comedy bang bang a uh, big fan of that podcast and it was delightful and i was like who who is this guy like i've, I've seen his stay <laughs> but like this is awesome and you were talking about your show and then i dug into your show and it's fucking fantastic it's like honestly it makes me so happy i think it's one of the best podcasts i've listened to so, so without further yeah, ado yeah mr Kevin Allison joins <laughs> us. Hello. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the oh, time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I guess uh, more context for people is uh, you host the Risk podcast, which is storytelling, and it's super brave and super badass. And of course, like I said, you were a member of the State, which uh, sketch comedy group had a had a little run on MTV in the '90s and made some really fun, like kind of alternative stuff. And man, what a star-studded like crew of people who have now gone on to like make yeah, no so kidding. many cool things i'm sure you've talked about that like a bunch but you know <laughs> yeah i mean you know the state was really really unique because we were at nyu in 1988 is when we all formed and uh there wasn't comedy education in new york at that time you know there weren't places like ucb or second city or or that sort of thing where you could take classes in how to do mm -hmm. sketch comedy so it was really just 11 people who came together and sort of intuitively and instinctually started creating sketch comedy together from our own sensibility we became the very best of friends we were very much like a family you know mm -hmm. uh, in in every good sense and in <laughs> the very bad senses as well uh, lots of tension and fighting and a lot of love as well but um 
we were just super close for about eight years. We were we were together all the That's time wild. and being creative all the time. And we were we got this opportunity that at that time, well, it's still kind of unprecedented mm -hmm. to be 23 years old and to be editing and producing and directing and starring in and writing your own TV show, you know? There was a remarkable amount of creative control. And so I, you know, a lot of people today look at the state as being truly foundational mm -hmm. for the comedy that's happening now because so many comedians that are popular now yeah. either grew up on it or were just coming into college when it was on that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, th there, was, there was this sort of very smart but very childish and very absurdist yeah. bent to the whole thing that uh, it, it came from not a machine like uh, SNL was mm -hmm. at that time, especially. It came very much from friends joking around and being as smart and creative as they possibly could. So, yeah, nowadays, you know, the 11 members of the state uh, – are in all kinds of movies, all kinds of television shows. I mean, Vinny, Vinny loves topics, right? I mean, that's a oh my great God, podcast. That's my favorite podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Walter and Ian yeah, Black. Yeah. That's so fun. Actually, Vince had a podcast that was like sort of modeled off of it. Yeah, in spite. R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a, called The Cosby Cast, and it was a, <laughs> a show where we pretended to be experts about The Cosby Show and talked about it. Uh, much in the same vein as topics. We were unfortunate we, timing. Yeah, we had to put an end to it because it's no longer really funny to joke about Bill Cosby being a genius. But uh, that's beside the point. That is awesome. Yeah, and I, I'll attest to the fact that I think the I, state. There's was, a single tear going down yeah. his cheek right now. Yeah, never forget. Uh, yeah, well, it was Michael Black who actually kind of was very, very fundamental in me creating risk because after the state broke up for 12 years, I literally, I, I was just like trying everything I could think of. I was auditioning wow. for uh, movies, TV. I, I was, you know, pitching TV show ideas to Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. I was doing all kinds of solo shows, you know, uh, uh, crazy characters up on stage. And it was finally in 2008, like 12 years into the starvation period, <laughs> that uh, Michael Black said to me, he saw one of my, my shows where I was playing crazy characters on stage, and he said, I wish you would just, and I think all the audience kind of wishes you would just drop the act and start speaking as yourself from the heart, your own real experience. Wow. And I said, oh, that sounds so risky. And he said, yeah, that's the word. If it feels risky, then it's probably going to be the sort of thing that people lean forward to hear about. Mm -hmm. So the very next week I got up on stage, I got back to New York City, and I told a story uh, at UCB, at a storytelling show at UCB. The first time I had ever done one of these true storytelling shows, and I made it as risky as I possibly could. I made it about uh, a time that I tried prostituting myself right before the state was picked up by MTV. And I was terrified. Yeah. I was like, they're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm a pervert, crazy, you know, gay, was whatever. Was this the, the New York or the Central Park story? 
No, oh, no, okay, this was, okay, okay. This was literally me, like actual prostituting. Me, okay, yeah, yeah this okay. was me, me trying to be a hustler right yeah. before the state was picked wow. up. Wow. Um, and uh, the audience absolutely loved it. It yeah. was like night and day. It was like such a powerful connection. So I said, okay, I'm going to create a show where the whole idea is everyone's taking a risk every time they get up on stage. Everyone's saying something outside their comfort zone, something maybe they've never said on stage before. Uh, if, if they are used to getting up on stage with a persona of sorts, then to drop it. Mm -hmm. And even ordinary people can get up on, you know, non-performers or, or non-artists can get up on stage and share true stories too, take a risk and do that. And Risk, the podcast has now... Uh, like in January, uh, last month, just within this, within that one month, we got a million downloads. Wow. So That's yeah, unbelievable, so, man. Yeah. So well, it's I mean, doing, pretty it's similar great. to our show's metrics. I think. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, add it up, but I think we're close. Um, that, no, that's really cool. I, I was saying to Vince too, we had, um, he, he had just asked me, he's like, yeah, I was, he had just started listening to Risk as well. And um, yep. we had done a thing, what do we call it? Seven Minute Story Club or something, where I'd just gotten a group of people together at our studio and uh, we just like had some drinks and everybody had seven minutes to tell a story and we just like drew for, for order. And it was so fun and so like rewarding. Yeah, it's, uh. it's funny. Like, it, once I created Risk, like, it was really weird for me because I had spent so much time failing. Mm -hmm. I had spent so much time kind of like not being able to pay the rent and, you know, not being able to bring myself to open my mail and, you know, not being able to like just be an adult, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, that when I created Risk, I was like, it was pretty clear right from the beginning that it had the wind at its back, that people were like, oh my God, we love this idea. So that people that I had known way back when, people like Margaret Cho and, and Janine Garofalo were like, yeah, 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 I want to do this. And that helped to bring attention to it. Yeah. But then, then the audience itself started pitching stories. And what was interesting was that Ordinary people who are not big, you know, name performers and everything were bringing even riskier stories about, you know, some of the stories on the show are hilarious and others are like horrifying or totally tear jerking. So, you know, it was like about a year into it where people started pitching us, you know, hey, I would really like to talk about how I was molested when yeah. I was just a little kid, you know, and like really getting into that. And it was just very exciting because I, I I knew that I was creating like there are a lot of storytelling shows out yeah. there and the moth the moth is the granddaddy of them all mm -hmm. but what what some people might not know a lot of people in the storytelling community know this is that the moth is rather hands on uh, about telling people you can't say that mm -hmm. people won't like you if you say that that wouldn't be appropriate for mothers driving their kids to soccer right, practice right. to ear, sure, you know, all sure. these things. And also really encouraging people to have a feel good liberal moral at the end of the story. Um, whereas risk, it's just like, right. no, no. I mean, we, we, I, I do give people a lot of guidance and a lot of, I help them to dig deeper. Basically. I, I kind of serve a little bit like a therapist and a dramaturge in that all, 
I'll just poke at them a lot yeah. during the pre preparatory stages. But you still feel like those things are pretty goddamn raw when they get up on oh, stage. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of them don't have happy endings, you know, or um, and a lot of them do have parts that would make a mother driving her kids to yeah, soccer yeah, yeah. practice <laughs> very uncomfortable. Well, yeah, I feel like you, you probably just are enhancing the story. You're you're sort of. You're not ironing out the realness as perhaps a moth would. You're just enabling them to get to the the juicy part. Right, and the, right, yeah. right, right, right. I mean, I've, perhaps this is a great segue into this, into our topic. The greatest of segues. <laughs> I'm glad you set up what the show is about because it's kind of the same premise of what this conversation is going to yeah, be about. Yeah, yeah. And we're calling the discussion today naked. Mm -hmm. And it's the value that being really raw, really exposed, and hyper-vulnerable can bring to your creative work and to your life. Yeah, man. I Well, okay. I'm just going to keep – I just want to keep riffing on on uh, risk because it had such a profound impact just listening to it. I started with uh, with a couple of the best of episodes. Uh -huh. And there was there was one um, – I mean, of course, they're like the – like sort of amazing, hilarious yeah, sex you, stories. Right, right. But but then like um I forget the comedian's name. It was it was this woman who told the story about from Chicago, I believe, told the story about identity theft and Oh god. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. fucking cried. I was just yeah. like I I just started thinking you know what I mean? Of course. That that just sends you reeling like basically, I mean Spoiler alert, sorry if anyone's going to listen to like best of risk number six, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> you should, by the way. Um, well, yeah, maybe like blot out the next 30 seconds or pause this, go listen to that. Frankly, that's maybe a more interesting podcast, but hey. <laughs> no, but but um, uh, this woman like has this relationship with this guy for like, I want to say like five or six or seven years or something. Yeah, uh -huh. But And she's has this ongoing identity theft problem. All of her bank accounts are like getting... Uh, you know, her cards are getting used and she's resetting stuff up and she's, and she's broke and, uh, she's got this great boyfriend who's very supportive. It does something like, I think political, whatever, and like ongoing, 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 ongoing. And then like, she finds out he was just fucking lying the whole time. <laughs> and like the last seven years of her life were complete sham. And I just fucking got wrecked, man. Yeah, that's like, uh, so bravo stuff. to enabling like that sort of storytelling. That it's like it is kind of a therapy in real or like in public, but like so concentrated and compelling and. Fuck. So I think what I wanted to <laughs> yeah. ask you first is, as listeners might feel themselves, and I know I sometimes feel, and I think we all feel. Uh, there are sometimes barriers that prevent us from getting this raw, especially with strangers, especially when other strangers are going to be listening listening to my raw story. Do you ever have to deal with that, or do people coming on your show kind of know like what's in store for them? Are they come prepared to share. Do you have to coax it out of them? How do you like get over some of those hangups? Well, you know, having shared a lot of stories on the show myself about stuff that I, what I found is this, if something has happened in the, you know, uh, uh, several years past and you feel like you have a handle on, you know, I mean, it, it might still bring, you might still cry. You might still uh, uh, have a lot of like, get all wound up when telling the story. But if you feel like you have enough of a handle you, you, on that, that, that you can kind of stand on it and say, okay, this is what happened and here is what I make of it, then 
you're 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 ready. You know, like like a, a good example. Like I go through. It's it's very much a case by case basis. Yeah, there sure. are a lot of people where they they'll share their story with me, and I'll start to feel like I'll start to see their eyes glaze over, or see them remembering parts that they hadn't thought about in a long time, or see them start to like stutter or or or, or become you know really uncomfortable and. When I really do feel like I'm going into fragile territory with a person and feel like, oh, wow, they might not be completely ready for this, what I'll do is I'll say, hey, why don't we record one version of it together? Me and you will we'll record a version. I'll send you the recording. You take some time to think about it. And we'll just consider that like a first draft. Nice. And then we'll see if we want to come back to it later. You know what I mean? Um, so there are people that that I send them away, and I don't know if they're ever coming back. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 I consider it kind of like sowing seeds, you know, yeah. uh, where some people I know are just going to be like, damn, I, I really don't think I can share that at all. Or maybe I've got several more years of therapy to work on on that. <laughs> several and more that, years. <laughs> and, and that's okay with me. I mean, I'm totally like, look. I don't want to exploit anyone. I want sure. to make sure yeah. that when someone does share on risk, that they really feel like Empowered. proud yeah. of, of being able to put it in front of people like that. Um, so yeah, there have been there there have been some very hairy, nerve-wracking situations mm -hmm. where I'm like, I hope this person can get through. And um, if I'm too iffy about it, I'll actually encourage the person to like take some time. Because myself, there's a story called Beyond Kink Camp, um, <laughs> uh, where, you know, uh, there's a story that it's the sequel to a story called Kevin Goes to Kink Camp, yeah. where in 2011, <laughs> I went for the first time to this BDSM sex camp for like four days and like tried all these things I had never tried before in the whole sexual realm. And uh, it really was kind of a eureka moment, a kind of a like a life transforming mm -hmm. weekend. And then when I got back to New York City a couple months later, I had this experience with a guy because it, the camp was pretty heterosexual and I'm gay. So yeah. um, it was a whole new world to like try all this stuff with someone I really had feelings for. Sure. Uh, and that story is called Beyond Kink Camp. Um, but I followed it with Beyond Kink Camp Part 2, which was a story I was right in the midst of dealing with. I had just found out I got herpes, and I, Ooh, oh, I, was, I was trying to deal with the fact that I had fallen in love with that guy, and I wasn't quite sure when I was doing Beyond King Camp Part 2, what the hell does this story mean? Mm -hmm. And am I trying too hard to make sense of the life I'm currently living through oh, wow. for the sake of getting an episode out? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, so, that's like a weird meta, like, <laughs> reality. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> ever, since, ever since Beyond King Camp Part 2, and a lot of people love that story. Yeah. I think it's kind of, I, I think Beyond King Camp Part 1 is great. 
Beyond King Camp Part Two is like for me a cautionary tale uh-huh. of trying to tell a story too soon. You wow, know, that's super. I've not. I've only listened to uh, King Camp. I haven't gotten to the the second episodes, <laughs> but we'll check those out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting though. There's like a lot of parallels even with creative work. I think when you're talking about getting a draft out there and like uh, planting a seed, honestly, like that is you you force you kind of force yourself to go to like the iron to the heat. And then you realize a lot of stuff. It reveals things. And then you can take a step away then and yes. come back when you're ready. Oh, uh, absolutely. Because yeah. I, I, I teach storytelling workshops as well. Uh, the, my school is at the storystudio.org. But in the workshops, the very first thing I have people do after I give them a brainstorm about thinking about various moments in your life that were emotional in this way and emotional in that way, funny, sad, yada, yada, yada. After going through that big brainstorm, I say, all right, now turn to your neighbor and tell one of those yes. stories. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I, and I have them, I have your neighbor take your phone and record you so that the first time you're telling a story, you're just kind of vomiting it out to another person, just speaking, you know, like you haven't thought about structure. You haven't thought about you know, what are your key scenes or anything? You're just speaking the way we, you know, the way you and I are speaking right now. Mm -hmm. But that's pretty much the best way to get the first draft of a story out is just to like vomit it out and and say, it doesn't matter if it totally sucks. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, because if we can go back, we can listen to the tape then and be like, oh yeah, this whole middle section is completely unnecessary and Oh, that's not the ending at all. It's the next day that's you know what I mean. You can yeah. you can you can be retelling stories in different ways forever and ever. You know you mm-hmm. can like you never have to consider a story written in stone. Uh, so if it doesn't go over well the first time, or if if you're in a workshop and you try it out and you're like, God, that kind of sucked. <laughs> that doesn't mean. You should walk away from thinking about and trying to tell about some of those events that you originally thought to tell about. See, now this is all really fascinating towards me or to me because I think when we're talking about vulnerability, the conversation often is kind of a, a linear progression. The more vulnerable, the better, the more raw the work, the more feeling you can see in it. And it's just kind of there's no balance needed. It's just more vulnerable equals more good. But what I'm hearing here is like vulnerable stories, but sometimes they don't need to be shared right away. Sometimes they can be given a chance to mature. Some parts can be withheld and some parts can be edited down and it can make for even more compelling end product. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting spin on the conversation of nakedness that maybe it's like the old adage sometimes like, scantily clad is sexier than completely nude oh it's a striptease man that's a that's a classic uh like storytelling idea that i like totally abide by and you know what's interesting to me is like we're thinking about uh nakedness or vulnerability as the person the teller of the story but i'm actually thinking you know what a really incredible uh act or this is really courageous is to give feedback to somebody and be naked in that way. I'm thinking about um, uh, Michael Ian Black even like giving you that really fucking direct feedback. That's that honest is, that feedback is like, to yeah, a close friend. That that's is... like really naked, man. That is oh, like, yeah, yeah, right? No, and then you I, giving I, feedback I on these stories. I absolutely, and, and you know what's ironic about it? 
is concerning the you've the... seen Michael Ian Black naked. <laughs> no, 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 no. That I'm just I kidding. Started, I'm sorry. I I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I started this show coming out in front of the audience in only my underwear oh, and oh, acted wow. like I was confused about, oh, has the show started? Oh my God, you know. Yeah. I, I was I was acting like myself <laughs> before I was ready to start doing all these characters. And Black had said that was the part of show of the show that was most compelling when you wow. were up nearly naked talking like yourself. Amazing. <laughs> That's so amazing, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that 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 is absolutely true. One of the great paradoxes about about this true storytelling is that you're aiming for truth, right? You're aiming for truth with a capital T and being as honest as you can. But there's no there's almost no getting around the fact that we our personas are constructions right yeah, so yeah. so there's we're always going to be manipulating the truth to this extent or that extent oh, <laughs> and and also uh, like uh the, one of my favorite stories is called kevin goes to p-town uh about when i went to provincetown and Fell in love with someone within like 24 hours. One of those, you know, vacation. Those classic you go on vacation, <laughs> fall in love, and then <laughs> have a seat the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, um, it's it's funny. It's funny. There's like two things. One is um, I'm thinking about. Uh, I wrote. I was writing um, while I was flying to Tokyo. I I did this music video project like last week, and it was a very risky kind of thing to do, just based on like costs and having to go out of pocket and like we booked our stuff like a week before. And so I wrote out, I wrote out like my flight to Tokyo, what I was feeling and like the whole kind of story of the project. And, um, in it, I had written like what my response to this text was from this, the other guy I went with. And like in, in the original version of this post or of this like draft, I wrote like, I responded immediately like, yeah, I'll make it happen. And then I went back and looked through my text and I realized I had said like, yeah, give me a minute. Like I, I'm like going into a thing. Like let me get back to you in a, in a bit. And like and then I, I added that addendum to it. But that totally reminds me of your um that Central Park story that I was referring to earlier that I thought you were talking about the one where you're in college, I think freshman year, and right, yeah, you go you go to the bar and then you go to Central Park and like. I listened to the version. I hadn't heard the original version. I only heard the version with the addendum, uh, which was amazing. Like, so I feel like there's like another layer of nakedness. So, sorry, Vince. I mean, well, do you want to summarize it for him? Oh yeah, I, is it? I'm not calling you out. I was, you know, it's like it's awesome. I was like, wow, that's so amazing that you would acknowledge that you had told the story differently. Yes, yes, yes. The very the second uh, Risk live show, like Risk started as a weekly show live show in New York City at Arlene's Grocery in the Lower East Side. And the second week of the show, I told this story about how when I was 18, uh, brand new to New York City, literally my first week at NYU, I uh, went to this bar on the Upper West Side to search, because I, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, so I had known I was gay my entire childhood, but had no way to express it sure. and just thought, Oh my God, I, just one day I'll, I'll move to New York City and then I'll have gay sex. So, <laughs> so, so my first week there, I was like, all right, now I'm going to do it. 
So I went to this bar and was terrified, too terrified to speak to anyone and ended up leaving and wandering into Central Park and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, don't they say that gay sex sometimes happens in Central Park at four o'clock in the morning? <laughs> and I, I constructed this story to be a comedy of errors because it really was where one thing was going wrong and the next thing was going wrong. And I was clearly being very foolish and reckless and not safe about what I was doing. Um, but also, because it was only the second week of risk and the whole idea was so new, yeah. I really didn't know how, I, I mean, I literally learned how to do storytelling while doing the show. Uh, th that was something that the state believed in tremendously. Like I said, we had no sketch comedy training. When the guys went away to do Reno 911, None of them had improv training. They were like, let's learn how to do improv by creating an improv show for uh, Comedy Central. So that was literally what I was doing with Risk. I, you know, after Black said, you should start telling your own stories and get risky about it. I was like, how do, how do I learn how to do that? By forcing myself to learn, by having a weekly podcast to put out. Uh, and and to be to have to get up in front of audiences on a regular basis with this stuff. So week two, I'm sharing this story, and I don't know how much can they really take. So I I said that it was a total failure trying to find sex in the park that night. There's a guy that walks by, and I rustle my I'm in the bushes, and I start rustling the bushes to get his attention. <laughs> And then he walks away and I'm like, oh my God, the whole evening's a total failure. Then recently we had a show called <laughs> Lies, right? Where the theme was lies. And I retold the Central Park story and I oh said, God, okay, at the very end, I had this addendum where I said, there was a lie right in the middle of that classic story that I told way back when. And the truth is, I blew that guy. <laughs> oh, man, wow. seriously, listening to that was so amazing. And it was like, okay, I really do think, of course, the whole thing is brave. But it's it's really another level of bravery to admit lying and to, like, admit that we're, like, revisionist and we're not, you know, exactly, you know, revealing everything. And it made that story so, so interesting because, like, I knew the story was a thing. I hadn't heard it before, but you have that extra layer in there and you're kind of like wondering what it is. And then you <laughs> add like a double punchline because the story on its own without that was still great and it was so funny. And then you add that in and it just, it killed me, man. <laughs> it was really good. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, you know, what, what's interesting is there's a, a, another, there's, the first story I ever told on Risk was the story of, um, the official title of the story is Ham and Samurai. It's about how I go to a sex club. This is a few years later. I, most, uh, there, there's a whole genre of Kevin stories, which yeah. is my early sexual adventures in my <laughs> early 20s, yeah. when well, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, you know? <laughs> so far, um, it's making a very literal translation to our title of Naked, so <laughs> yeah. I think it's working What's out pretty that? well. Our topic of nakedness is seeming very apropos yes, so far. Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, no, my first, uh, the first story I ever told on Risk was about this time I, I went to a sex club and then I went home with this guy 
and he made me tie my sneakers to my balls, right? <laughs> and it's it's pretty much uh, like just uh, one one of everyone's very favorite stories of mine. It's it's one that you're gonna people... say one of everyone's fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might if it wasn't now. before, if it, if yeah, it's that popular, it might become that. <laughs> um, but anyway, people always ask me like oh, what would happen if you ran into him again and yada yada. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't even recognize him. Yeah. There's so much about that story where I'm like, am I even telling the truth anymore? Like, like I, I was walking around thinking about the story a couple months ago and realized, wait a minute, I think I'm... Uh, thinking of two separate hookups, wow. two separate yeah. guys, because because in the story, I have him sniffing a lot because I think he's high on cocaine. Sure, sure. And I think that that's inaccurate, actually, I, you know, because I was thinking, no, 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 no. It was someone else completely that was the guy that was sniffing a lot because he was high on co cocaine. Uh, and you met, you accidentally in your mind made those two characters one. So there are those kinds of things. Our mm -hmm. memories actually serve narrative yeah. more than they do accuracy. <laughs> so sometimes you have to check yourself for that kind of stuff as well. I mean, not not that. I mean, that's just a funny story, and and sure. it kind of it kind of doesn't matter all that much whether he was on cocaine or not. Right. Um, but. Sometimes you do have to say, no, whoa, 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 wait a minute. There is a key part to this that maybe isn't true. Yeah. Maybe it's just something I've been telling myself, especially your memories of your childhood, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I, get into it. Let's get into our childhoods. <laughs> well, I think you're saying something very valuable, which is that sometimes one of the most vulnerable things we can do is attempt to tell the whole truth and the honest truth to ourselves. Yeah. And oh God! Yeah, I mean, yeah. sometimes it's even easier to tell the truth to someone else than it is just to sit down and remember the exact way something actually happened. Yeah, yeah, and you know mm. that's funny because that's similar to the idea that some people have said that they have they've had an easier time telling stories at risk live in front of a big audience than they have d doing the radio style stories where they have to come to my apartment and tell the story just to me oh, yeah. uh, because there's an instant intimacy there uh, where when you're telling a story in front of a big audience, there's an energy yeah. there. And there's also this kind of like, it's, it's hard to get around. There's this, will, there's this desire in the person on stage to please, yeah, to please the audience, right? Yeah, yeah, to to like, kind of like, uh, get get the room liking to lean you know into I mean? it, right? Yes, lean into exactly. the laughter, lean into the energy. Sure, exactly. So that I've like when I started doing some of my radio, because what I started doing in the early years was just telling these funny stories in front of audiences, but. About two, two and a half years into it, I started doing some of these radio style stories where it's just me speaking into a microphone. And I'm kind of speaking to this empty void. Uh, I <laughs> guess it's I, I don't know what you'd call it, you know, but but it's yeah. kind of like the Internet, speaking, I think. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of like speaking to a gen, you know, to a big therapist who isn't there, you know, but 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 who is just your, like father. 
Right, right. <laughs> Quote, unquote, audience. Um, and yeah, there's an even, even more of a, whoa, 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 am I bullshitting here? Yeah, sure. <laughs> when you're in that position. That is a weird thing, man. Just like trying to like check yourself is so hard. And, and also like coming to grips with, with like, oh, wow. I might be, not only am I lying, I'm lying to myself. Like, holy fuck. That's a scary <laughs> But thing. you know what? I yeah. Because people worry about that so much, mm -hmm. like uh, in my workshops. And I always tell people, you can acknowledge that right in the middle of the yeah. story. You, you can say something like, now, a part of me wants to think of these events in this way. But another part of me is like, hold on, am I lying to you guys right now? I mean, yeah. you can literally say that. You that, know? of course, is like the naked In fact, <laughs> I would say that revelation being mid-story is probably more revealing than any one part of the story. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That's absolutely fascinating. You know, I don't want to, but I, th I think we'd better, while there's a brief lull, jump into our only segment of the show. Well, I guess there's two, but... Our next segment of the show. What's our other one? Like the start? What? what? Yeah, this is this is the show its own segment. Uh, I guess I don't know. Uh, but every week we like to do something we call the off-topic topic, which we take a break uh, talking about what we're talking about to talk about something else. Uh, and this week we wanted to get into the spirit of storytelling uh, because we both consider you a great storyteller, and we were excited. And we're glad, I, at least I'll speak for myself, that you <laughs> have shared so far. Uh, I pretty... hated it. <laughs> Can we end this thing already? <laughs> yeah, all right. uh, but we wanted to share a specific type of story. And uh, this would be, maybe you have some, maybe you don't. This is one for us, kind of, in a way. Yeah. Stories about celebrity run-ins. And maybe your most entertaining, well, embarrassing... Yeah, I mean, and, and context is, like, of course, like celebrity is a loose definition and right. also like i mean we we would consider you one yeah but this is, is one for us uh, yeah, but yeah maybe in your younger <laughs> days i know as a 18 year old in new york city probably you had some opportunities do you have any um oh god i i absolutely have one yeah Great. that, that uh, when i so right after the state broke up uh a lot of the members of the group had wealthy parents and some of the members of the group were able to get into some writing work for television projects pretty right away. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, kind of the, the man child who was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. How do I make money if the group doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I literally like had no idea what to do with myself as far as continuing to make money went because you know we made very little money when we were actually at MTV so I didn't mm -hmm. save anything so all of a sudden I was you know a minor celebrity mm -hmm. uh, you know being recognized on the street pretty much every time I walked down you know several blocks uh, but had no money yeah. so I started doing what a lot of actors do in New York City. I, I became a cater waiter. And that work, it, you're, you're a butler, right? So I started working uh, in, for people like Martha Stewart and wow. Donald Trump and, and the Koch <laughs> brothers, all these horrible, I mean, you know, I don't, not, they weren't all horrible, but, you know, a Mostly lot of horrible. Them, but they, well, they were. <laughs> <laughs> a, a 
a lot of it was really kind of uh, demoralizing in a in a very much in a dominant and submissive way looking at you know our economy and being at the bottom of the barrel oh, man. and it was terrible because I was regularly recognized by people but the worst was I worked at the Grammys uh, in the sh I was serving champagne in the VIP champagne bar wow. at the Grammys where uh, the the show itself was over and then it was like people were go were getting ready to like start going into party going into various parties and this was like a transitional space where people could like have a drink before getting to whatever the Vanity Fair party or whatever. So I'm in there and I'm behind a champagne bar and Aretha Franklin and uh, Sarah McLaughlin walk through the door at the same time. And I can tell right away that Sarah McLaughlin is like, oh my God, uh, oh, oh fuck, I'm walking into this room at the very same time as Aretha Franklin, I'd better be <laughs> extremely gracious and offer to get her a drink. Sure, uh, sure. So, so she's like, oh my gosh, uh, Miss Franklin, uh, such an honor to see you tonight. Uh, why don't I get you some champagne? And Aretha was like, oh, wonderful. So they sally up to my bar and Sarah McLaughlin has, it, it, her mind is kind of full of what should she say to Aretha. And then she looks up at me pouring the champagne to, for them and she says, oh my God, what are you doing here? Oh, <laughs> oh man. So Sarah McLaughlin was that person who is gauche enough to point out what the fuck? You're famous. <laughs> oh, so, wow. uh, Aretha looks at her like, huh? And and then yeah. <laughs> she gets a little flustered and she turns to Aretha and she's like, oh, he's a very successful comedian. Oh and Aretha God. just looks at me and looks back at, at uh, Sarah and goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, what a fucking wow. moment, man. Yikes. <laughs> What a, that's just the most, probably so, the most yeah, priceless reaction I can that, like, That's uh, like delightful, but tragic. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I want to create a, uh, a story about my, my time catering. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah. It was definitely, uh, uh, like I saw so many weird things while I was catering and it was such a such a hilarious but also like you said tragic part of my how life. How long were you doing that? Catering? Probably for about four years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It yeah. sounds like an encapsulating, encapsulating story. Kind of like a, yes, a exactly. summary of the whole right, experience. Right. You know, that's, <laughs> that's one of the things I often tell people. People like really struggle with the lengths of their stories. And I'll often say, you can often zero in on a detail or a little anecdote or something like that, that kind of encapsulates the bulk of what you're trying to get at mm -hmm. and then get to another thing that happens, you know? Again, related. I feel like uh, we do, like I do a lot of design work, a lot of writing and it's like less is most. Actually, my studio is called less. Like that's what we focus on is simplifying it. Distilling. Yeah, yeah totally. Refine mm -hmm. it down. Hey, it, no talking about 
the topic and an off-topic topic rant. Come on. Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I, <laughs> I fucked up. I, oh, well, you, we were thinking? all nearly naked. Should I go? <laughs> should I leave? Yeah. <laughs> no, you should go next, though. Well, we are we are all sitting in the studio nude right now. We always, <laughs> right. We always do our shows nude. Yeah, we don't yeah. expect the same from our guests. And but. here's actually cool a cool thing. This is the first time we've ever acknowledged it. The past True. like forty odd shows, we've never once mentioned it. Uh, yeah, well, actually, I'm thinking of uh, we had a fun we had a fun run in together. We so, did, yeah. So Vince and I, so Vince is a copywriter, and I'm like writing and designing stuff. And like two and a half years ago, we say two and a half. Yep. Yeah, two and a half years ago, we uh, went on this trip. We had this idea. It was called Creatives Go West. Essentially, we hit the road for two weeks, and we were in a car with two other people. Somebody who was shooting the whole thing, and then Laura, who was Laura working on it with us too. Yep. And uh, we we went up to Portland and San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, Vegas, Denver, and all over. And we went into like startups and to agencies and freelancers, whatever. And we're talking to them about creativity and all these things. And when we were in L.A., we fucking made a horrible decision. Really? By the way, yeah. We yeah. Like, ate at Universal Studios. Yeah, we ate at Universal Studios. We ate at a Buka, like one of the nights. It was like <laughs> we had. It was like we had so many. The options. best sushi in America yeah, is like right down the street. <laughs> yeah, and we got a Buka de fucking Beppo. Uh, but it was so we we were sitting we were sitting in the in like the second floor. We were in a corner booth, and we're sitting there eating. And I made a joke. I was like. Hey, that's Wayne Brady over there. Like, which was like kind of racist, actually. Like, it was just in retrospect, yes. But, but also, <laughs> you know, it was just like I was just saying, hey, look, it's Wayne Brady. And then, like, I stopped and I was like, wait, I actually think that is Wayne Brady. <laughs> and then, and then Vince turned and Jake turned, and we like went, oh fuck, that is Wayne Brady. And then the waiter had come over. He's like, hey, it's Wayne Brady. Like, basically he's whispering to him. Yeah, he's like putting us in. He like heard us chatting about. It. He's like, yeah, it's Wayne Brady. And. Our friend Laura, who is a, a real delight, just she has she has this thing that happens when she encounters celebrity where she just loses it. She had she, a bit of a meltdown. Like literally lost bodily functions, was like hyper not even hyperventilating, she just wasn't breathing. She was non-ventilating. There were there were like <laughs> tears streaming. Yeah, she, she started paralyzed. crying. She was just paralyzed. By the oh fact, and like, as much as I love Wayne Brady, I, I'm a big fan. Sure, yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not like we saw, you know. I mean, even, like what? What do we want to, Clooney. Anybody. We didn't Clooney. run into Clooney. Obama. Anybody. Right, I mean, right, like, right, it was right. Wayne Brady just having pasta with his daughter. And she, she like. She just couldn't fucking handle it. Yeah. She, I feel like. I, I would, it wasn't popular then, but she really couldn't even like this was the, this <laughs> yeah, was the exactly. start of that I think like so she, she couldn't even she founded that trend yeah Ugh. wow poor fits yeah that was a, that's a good one that man. was a fun trip though that's memorable and you know in retrospect I am glad we went to Buca de Beppo yeah it was good we still laugh, <laughs> still laugh about that today uh, I just like hearing you say the name Buca <laughs> de Beppo yeah, yeah that's great is, am I saying it wrong no no I have no idea is that where is it again. Oh, uh, it's a it's a family Italian chain, like a yeah. half a rung up the ladder from, uh, from like an Olive Garden. Garden. Yeah. yeah, it's like Olive Garden's ah, older, dickier, that. like cousin <laughs> or brother. Like, yeah, yeah. Like pretend, like it's you know what it is. It's it's Olive Garden's older cousin who pretends they're from the old country, but they were really born in fucking New like, Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, don't go. <laughs> okay okay I there do, goes our buka sponsor. I, I was gonna say i do need to like take a moment and say thank you to buka buka de Pepo for sponsoring this episode of the podcast uh, <laughs> free breadsticks Vinny, tell me 
Yeah, I have a I have a short but sweet one. Uh, <laughs> similar? No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's um. I was in a coffee shop. Uh, and you're gonna laugh because I accidentally told you it was the wrong person earlier. Oh, but, really? Okay. Okay, uh, but that's why I'm laughing because I thought it was short. <laughs> I thought you're making a pun. Okay, no, go, okay. On. go on. So I'm in uh, Diggytown, which is a college neighborhood of Minneapolis, and uh, I was getting coffee for no particular reason. I'm waiting in line. And I think I notice a familiar comedian from my youth, uh, comedic actor, Tom Green in line in front uh, of me. Now, at the time, I didn't think there's any reason why Tom Green would be in Minneapolis, so I didn't think anything of it. But as I'm waiting there, he's like paying for his coffee, and we have a very attractive barista serving him. And, <laughs> and there's a jar of <laughs> espresso, chocolate-covered espresso beans like where a tip jar normally would be at the counter for sale and he's like hemming and hawing after he's already paid and he's just kind of lingering and i'm like waiting for my coffee and he goes so what's the deal they tip you in coffee beans here <laughs> and the and the barista just like stares at him like i don't know if she knows that it's tom green at this point but she just gives him nothing it's ice it's absolute silence and then he just like mumbles to himself fuck it and walks away and then like <laughs> I'm paying for my coffee, and she asked me, and she's like, is that Tom Green? <laughs> and I go, I think so. And then she's quiet for a second, she's like, I guess I should have laughed. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then See, it was hilarious to me, though, because I thought you were saying Seth Green, and I yeah, really I know, thought I you were like, making fun of him. When, I, when I hinted about this story originally, I said Seth Green. Yeah, yeah, the okay. short comment would have gone a long way there. Yep. Maybe it should have been in retrospect. Maybe I should have edited the story to be about Seth well, Green. Well, and actually, now let's take a step back. Who knows? Maybe it was Seth Green. Well, actually, it was Tom Green because I looked it up and he was oh, okay. performing yeah, was in Tom Minneapolis okay. that week. But well. uh, so I like that story because it goes to show you that no matter how funny you are, and he's a comedic icon in many ways, you know, sometimes you just have a and, and also being stinker. a celebrity doesn't mean the barista is going to blow you. Like that's not <laughs> right. an automatic. Yeah, unfortunately that's for Tom. Right. Well, that was as they say. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm sorry. I was quoting my grandfather. Goes. Yeah. Well, th hey, thank you, Grant, and thank you I'm, for sharing. Hey, have you been to Minneapolis, Kevin? I have, and, and I was really pleasantly surprised ah. at, at what a nice city it is. I mean, uh, you know, I had never been, but I just brought Risk there ooh, maybe two, three months ago. Oh, and, really? Uh, we fucking missed it. Yeah, you, where were you? Uh, Fine Line? Gosh, where was I? Fine Line Varsity... No, it was a, it was a comedy club. Oh, Acme, Acme. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it was okay. a comedy like community. Well, it was like someone's a... house. It was a living room. <laughs> it was a comedy living room. It was. Right. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Well, we'll yeah, it it's we'll a big like it. improv school. Oh, and... a huge or brave new workshop, maybe. Yeah, brave new workshop. Yeah, they're hey, awesome. They're so cool. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, All right. thanks. Well, for hey, ne next time you come back, I mean, we'll hit it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We'll stalk you. Um, well, thanks for sharing. Oh uh, I think it's a good opportunity to jump back in now to, I guess, the third segment of the show that I'm remembering. God, we have we segments? Have. Uh, it's called <laughs> Last Thoughts. Nice. And Kevin, cue, Hold on. Cue the theme music. That we don't have. Ben and uh, <laughs> Kevin, if you'd be so very kind as to do us a parting favor, and that's to answer us two questions. They said party favor. That would have been a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. Kazoo. Um... Could you answer us two questions? And they are in order. How can our listeners support you as a guest? And secondly, uh -huh. 
If uh, hold, hold, wait, there's, hold. Oh, there's don't, more. don't jump the gun or we'll cut out all your plugs. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, if you would want our audience to take one thing away from your time on the episode, what would you want that to be? So, ah. so first, how, how can they support you? Well, you know, I mean, if they were to take something away from it, it would be, I would really encourage people to give storytelling a try. Hell yeah. And one way you can do that is to pitch me. Uh, we have a submissions page at risk. It's, you know, risk dash show.com. And there's a submissions page there and it actually gives you tips on, Hey, here's how to word a submission to like get our attention and, you know, uh, include, you know, stuff that's, that, that'll really like speak to us. Um, and we have uh, someone is on staff who reads all the pitches and, when she sees something that really seems like, oh, wow, this is interesting, she'll alert me about it. And we have people share stories over Skype like this uh, all the time on the show. So cool. So, uh, or, you know, are able to include people when we come to town, like the next time we're coming to Minneapolis. So that's definitely one way. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's great. I think that's great advice. You know, Graham, maybe you and I should give well, it a shot. You get your uh, Tom Green story ready, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's flesh it out. We'll see. We'll see. I feel like we, we've probably got some. We've got some. Good I could dig something out for sure. At least it's, give it a good college if try. Not, if not from present time, from childhood. Or we'll yeah, make something there you up. Go. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> And also, you should check out Risk, the podcast, by the way. Yeah, honestly, I I wouldn't pitch it so hard unless I really cared. It's like so good. It was, man, and and it's one that. There are a lot of podcasts, even, sorry, Scott, uh, Comedy Bang Bang, sometimes I'll just have it on, and it's just like, it kind of fades into the background, and it's just like, I can hear it, but like, Risk is something, it just has my attention the entire time, and I wouldn't listen to it any other way, because everything is like, so good. Oh, that's awesome. That's so great to hear. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Great. Well, all right. Well, let's leave our audience with one thing you'd want them to take away from your time on the show. Oh, well, you know what? I, I would say that... It's well worth giving this storytelling thing a shot. Um, there are different, you know, for one of the things you can do is like exactly what you guys talked about, like gather a group of friends together and uh, say, hey, everyone bring a five to 10 minute story to tell. And, you know, it doesn't have to be super polished or anything, yeah. but wouldn't it be fun if... And you can choose a theme, you know, the themes for storytelling shows are usually pretty evocative. Ours is like shenanigans, I think. Yeah. Yeah, evocative, but broad, yep. you know, like, like you know, crisis or um, karate, family, <laughs> okay. you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, not, not okay, necessarily don't broad. Do <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was like faux supportive. I don't think that was a little bit. Let's take a step back. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know what? And jumping from that too, I just think even I feel like personally, like the last year of my life, I have very much embraced more openness and there are a lot of things I felt like, oh wow, I, I would maybe not tell the full truth here or maybe I would, or not even like, I just wouldn't be as open with people because it's very risky, right? It's very dangerous. It's vulnerable. It sucks. But especially in the creative work and especially for relationships, man, like that is it seems like you can get to much, much deeper levels. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, and yeah. It's just so, I, and it's so much more fulfilling. It's like, ah, uh, it's like life on a totally different level. So yeah, take yeah, your clothes off. That's there, 
There's also uh, my school, the Story Studio, and I do like one-on-one training over Skype. We do like workshops with entire staffs of businesses. Oh, and and we're pretty soon. Uh, by the end of the month, by the end of February, I would say, we'll have up an online class ah. uh, that you can kind of take in your own time. We already have one up that's called Storytelling for Business, but if you're just interested in cool. personal storytelling, we're going to put up one soon called Intro to Storytelling. You watch these video lectures from me, and then there's also supplemental materials. That's to so kind of cool, like, man. That's, yeah. like, that's like very core to like the work I'm doing, especially with the filmmaking stuff and the I writing. I think it's really valuable, yeah. And I have a Skillshare class out right now. Like, it's called Go Plus Do, Start a Creative Project That Matters. And, oh, that's great. Yeah, and I found it so fulfilling, like, getting feedback from people about it and, like, people getting inspired. It's like, that's why I think I love, I love Risk as a platform and I love just kind of what you're doing to give people permission to share things and and people to engage in things and not necessarily get risky, but like just engage those, which I think leads them down the path. It's just, it's really generous. It's really awesome. And, and thank you for doing it. That's great. Thank you guys. Yeah. And thanks for your time on the show. And now I have to say that I lied when I said we had one more request of you because we, we have one, one more oh, request. Of you. Oh, the, the final one, segment one, of the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we like to sign off every week the same way. And that is with our personal mantra, our personal dogma of shipping it. And so could you, as a guest, do us the very distinct honor of giving us a ship it? A what? So you just, it's a, it's our sign off. It's like, if it doesn't ship, it isn't art. So we like to ship it. It's like shipping the project. It's like finishing it's like it. It's like, yeah, a war cry. It's like, ship it. Ship it. Oh, yeah. oh just, 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 just tell everyone to ship it? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, you don't have to. I don't want to pressure you into this. No, this is no, no. I, everyone, I would love for you to ship it. Okay.